Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Yeg Podfest, presented by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Alberta Podcast Network and LitFest, Canada's nonfiction festival. Running October 1st through 3rd, Yeg Podfest will be held all online this year so anyone can tune in and experience it. Events include masterclasses with professional podcasters, panel discussions, feature interviews, and much more. Some of APN's member shows will be there too, so join us for the virtual party from October 1st through 3rd. To check out the full lineup and get tickets, head to yegpodfest.ca that's yegpodfest.ca. Hello. <laughs> it's hello. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, uh, you screwed up. <laughs> you picked a weird spot to jump in. Because we're 25 chapters into this novel, and if this is the first time you're listening... Um, you've got a lot of catch up to do. Yeah, scroll back to chapter one, start there. Yeah, and then like download the episode that is the first chapter as well, because you will be very lost if you start here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you will have no context whatsoever. And tons of spoilers as well. So <laughs> this would be very bad. Now, if you have been with us since the beginning of at least this novel, um, we're coming up to the end of it. And if this is your first novel joining us, you might want to know how things kind of shake out as we move into the the climax and the end of a novel we will go through each chapter chapter by chapter but after the last chapter or epilogue whatever it happens to be we then do an episode where we do a full analysis and take a look at the whole book in context yes we get all very snooty and book clubby that's right as we nita, talk about the work as a whole nita calls it going full book club we do we go full book club uh we'll we'll discuss themes we'll talk about the plot with the full context rather than uh just taking it in chunks as we go there may be wine Almost certainly. I always threaten wine, but I never actually have a glass of wine because I think drinking on a podcast uh, sounds bad. And also we play Anita's favorite game. Ooh, cast that movie. So that's all stuff to look forward to as uh, we we're not quite at the end yet, but we are definitely getting close. So uh, figured this was a good time to give you a brief reminder if you've been with us through several novels or let you know what's going to be coming up. And then, of course, in that uh, recap episode, that full analysis, we will also uh, unveil what our next novel will be. And uh, that'll give you time to run out and buy it and read the first chapter before we launch right into that in the following week. Yeah. Also, it gives us time to go out shopping and buy a new book. So we have until the book club episode to pick one. Yeah. Um, and we'll uh, put up a Twitter poll sometime in the next couple weeks. Ooh, good idea. Um, asking kind of what genre we should get into next. Uh, we we have done that for the last couple and uh, that's given us a little direction and uh, it's been very helpful. So with that said, let's do a brief recap of our previous chapter. Uh, wherein we found a thing, left a thing, made our way out of an underground tomb up into the desert. Did some stuff. Fought some monsters, <laughs> dug around for a while, and then everything seems to have gone terribly wrong as we move into chapter 25 of Beneath the Rising by Primi Mohammed. titled my notes this week, Drazi and the Big Fight. Yeah, yeah, Drazanoth is here. 
Basically, yeah. that's how the chapter starts. When uh, Johnny looked up and swore, it was because Drazenoth was descending from on high like an unholy angel. Yes. And this is this is Drazenoth in full glory. This is not the finger that he was poking into mm. our reality no, earlier. No, this is, and this is not the like creepy hooded figure that approached Nick in the bread room at the very beginning of the novel. Yeah. This is full wingspan out in the desert, nothing but space and anger, Drazenoth. Yeah, he's powerful enough that Nick can see Johnny like slump as her protective wards strain under the strength of his just presence. Yeah. He has um, a lot of evil packed into a horrifying package. Yeah, but as we previously discussed, is he really evil? I don't know. Because he comes from a dimension where evil might not be a concept, per se. <laughs> Johnny I, keeps I calling them evil, but again, when you live in a reality where there is no good to juxtapose it to, are you really evil? <laughs> uh, that is getting into deep philosophy that I am currently unprepared for. Drazenoth does call out Johnny on the audacity of trying to, quote, deny them of the world that they claim. Um, not a direct quote, a rough paraphrasing. And she basically just tells him, go find another world. And he's like, nah, dog, you invited us here. <laughs> I cannot imagine Drosnoth saying dog. <laughs> Again, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I know. But he always speaks with this like breathy hiss in my head. And then to put like urban slang <laughs> into that breathy hiss just sounds funny in my head. At first, Johnny doesn't quite comprehend what he's laying out here. But he is very specifically saying you... Johnny personally invited us here. And I want to be clear on that. And she's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And he's like, you're impossible box. Maybe it's time to finally put two and two together. Let's take a moment to think this out. Yeah, he calls it her toy. She initially thinks that she maybe made a miscalculation. And Drazenoth is like, no, 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 no. You were exactly correct in your calculations. You just didn't take it far enough. Nick can see that he's goading her. He tries to tell her to, like, not fall for the bait, but Johnny cannot stop her ego. And she immediately launches into prodigy mode and runs through more of the calculations in her mind and realizes that, yeah, that's that's yeah. a thing. She was doing the thing correctly. It was doing exactly what it was meant to do. Um, Just not what she thought it was going to do. No. She yeah. thought she was making an endless source of energy. What she was making was a dimensional portal. Basically. Sort of. She used the term micro portals. Yeah. Drazenoth likens it at one point to a, to basically a ship that can take you anywhere you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she didn't just open the door. She paved a road. Yeah. And gave them a car. Yeah. And gave them a skeleton key to every other house in the neighborhood. Basically. Um, an interesting point here. Uh, Drazenoth implies that Johnny thinks like they do here. And that appears to be why her prodigy mode works the way it does. Her super intelligence is not because she is thinking better than the average human. Her super intelligence comes from the fact that she thinks like an eldritch monstrosity. Yeah. She thinks laterally the way they do, as opposed to linearly like we do. Which may in fact explain why she is treating, like the conversation we had before, about why she is treating symptoms instead of solving problems. Remember from way back when? Yep. Because maybe that's how they think. It definitely rings true because as she and Drazenoth work through the last little bits of the puzzle here, they're finishing each other's sandwiches. <laughs> and that's really off-putting to Nick. But I yeah, think especially really, when they start speaking in like prose. Yeah, I think that really clinches the idea that, yeah, she, she thinks like they do. I was also thinking that maybe 
based on how much magic there is in the world, the exact moment of time that they're in right now, I think maybe she's being claimed by the darkness. I mean, I would argue that she was claimed by the darkness at age three. No, no. I mean, even more so because Nick describes the tips of her hair glowing kind of purple and starting to like purple and black. Well, right? I got... Like it's starting like it's starting to like it's starting to happen. I was more under the impression that that was uh, because of Drazenoth's presence. Could be. Who's to say? Could be. Drazenoth is like, so in the end, you didn't save this world. You were never meant to. You were here to find a way to invite us back in. And you did it. Good on you. So why don't you come take my hand, fly back with me into the impossible angles of a distant world, and finish making your box so that we can go and just rule everything together. And Johnny's like, flat no. <laughs> I am going to stop you tonight. And Drazenoth is like, oh, really? So there's another little ground quake as Drazenoth turns his full attention to Nick. Drazenoth does not smite Nick. Indeed, he just kind of lays into him tauntingly and uh, is like, you know, you might not be aware, but uh, you belong to Johnny the same way that this world belongs to us. Nick is like, yeah, right. This is pathetic. This is the last ditch effort at deception by somebody who clearly knows he's beat because Johnny and I are about to win. And mm. Johnny's like, do not listen to this liar full of lies. He is a jar <laughs> full of lies. Do not believe him. And Drosnoth kind of tuts her and he's like, no, 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 no. Hey, if this is the end, then your pet should know the truth about what's going on. Yeah. If this is the end game, all cards on the table. Yeah. And so Drosnoth spills some tea. He does indeed. Apparently, things were actually not as bad as we had speculated earlier in the podcast, and yet in some ways- <laughs> At the same time, so, so much, much worse. worse. Yeah. So, so much worse. Nick apparently was part of Johnny's Covenant, and this is very big news to Nick. Oh, yes. Um, apparently, Johnny was worried that her genius would kind of set her apart from humanity, that she would be kind of unloved, that she would generate a lot of uh, envy and anger for being a great genius, a, a leader of people, someone who could change the world for the better. She wanted someone who could be by her side to truly admire and appreciate all of her great works. And Drazenoth is like, pretty sure she wanted a sister, but we made sure to give you to her instead. In fact, we specifically made moves on the board, as it were, to ensure you would be the one that she picked. And now, you two are tied together by destiny, whether you want to be or not. But the good news is, it's why we haven't killed you yet. That's the only reason you're still alive. You're under her protection, basically. Yeah. Now, Nick is incredulous, because he quickly pieces together that that would mean that all of the kids murdered in the terror attack, when they were young, were only killed due to their meddling. And the only reason they meddled was because of Johnny making a covenant with them. Yes. Which all points back to her hubris. Which makes Johnny responsible for the deaths of, what, 27? 37. Other, 37 other children. Yep. Children. I mean, she's responsible for she's a lot responsible more than for that. a lot, but in this specific instance. Yeah, um, it dawns on Nick, in fact, this is why, and this is something we had spotted earlier in the novel as well. Uh -huh. We commented on it's weird that Nick seems to only have Johnny as a friend, and it dawns on Nick at this moment that that's the reason why Johnny's his only friend. He's mystically tied to her. 
she needs to occupy all of that space. And so that's why no one else can get close. And he even suggests that there's... Johnny, Johnny is an other friend repellent. She's not just another friend repellent. It would be one thing if she was just such an odious personality that other people don't want to get close to her. Nick actually suggests there's something much more dark involved. Mm -hmm. That fate has been playing out in such a way that he could never make other friends. Because he suggests that every time someone else has tried to get close to him, something has happened to separate them. Be it an accident, an unexpected move, suicide. Right. So that means that Johnny is actually responsible for a lot of bad. Yes. In Nick's life specifically. Here's the thing, though. Okay, this is where we get to finish the discussion that we started yesterday. Spoiler alert, we we talked about this a little bit off microphone. We did. And I made a stop so that we could finish it on microphone because it is, it is pertinent to the book and therefore should be in the podcast. Johnny isn't directly responsible for it. She is indirectly responsible for it. So how much of it can we actually blame on her if it's their doing I and mean, not... Like, Johnny didn't cause other people to move. She didn't phone someone up and be like, hey, you need to get out of town. She didn't cause someone to be suicidal. They, the capital they, did that. Well... And I don't think it was at Johnny's behest. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Please do. Because Johnny might not have directly done all these things, but she is definitely responsible because she was the one who made the pact with the devil in the first place, knowingly made the pact with the devil in the first place. Yes, she was a young girl, but she was already a super genius because they had given her the sample pack before right. she needed to sign the covenant. And she clearly had some input in the covenant because having a, a lifelong bestie who would always be there under her protection was one of the rules that she wanted in place right from go. She knew the beings that she was getting into a deal with. She understood them. She understood them probably better than most mortals do. Because she thinks like them. So she knows that they're crafty. She knows they're going to find any loophole. She knows they're going to exploit any any threat. The implication of that is that she made a, a, a rough calculation that any bad things that happened from her making that deal would be offset by all the good she could do in the world. Evil means for good ends. That has long been Johnny's ethos. Yes, the ends justify the means. I and... Know. And so I have to believe that on some level, she was accepting of the fact that there would be casualties for her to be able to have super intelligence to help the world. And that therefore she is at least partially responsible for what happened after. She is a willing accomplice to that evil. Whether or not she pushed the button, she stood by and knowingly invited that calamity in. I don't know that I would call her a willing accomplice. I think that's going too far. I think it's fair to call her complacent. Okay. Yeah, maybe that's more accurate. She is definitely complacent in what happened. Because, again, she knowingly invited in that calamity. Thinking that she could best them. Yeah. she like her. She's made it pretty plain that her ego is such that she thought she was going to outsmart the ancient ones at their own game. And she was going to be the one person in all of history who got one up on them and made the world a better place and nothing bad ever happened. Right. Despite the fact that history shows that that has never happened. And this is where I think that they were being especially sinister. Because, yes, they found a very special, very smart little girl, elevated her from regular prodigy to super genius prodigy when she was three years old. Yeah. That is super sinister. Oh, for sure. Again, I don't want to have the whole conversation again about having life experience and how you can't teach that. 
I'm going to I'm going to just go out on a limb here and suggest that the ancient ones are the bad guys. Oh no, they 100% are. <laughs> Super duper bad guys. I'm just reiterating how bad they are. You need to catch them while they're young so that they can abuse the power properly. Like that's that's just the right thing to do. Again, no, it's not the are... right thing to do. It's exactly the wrong thing to do, which is why they did it. The point is though, they did snare Johnny. Johnny did make an informed choice. Whether or not she was young, she was still a super genius. She still made a logical decision. And she gambled that she could outdo any evil that they might concoct around her with all the good she would do. That in the end, it would come out as a positive. And it's certainly not looking like it at the moment because the world is on the cusp of disaster. Yeah. Also, right now in the moment, this is devastating news for Nick. Because oh, yes. he realizes like... Yeah, I am basically her pet. Like, this is why she wanted to take me with her on her adventure, is because you keep your pet with you. This is the reason why she had no qualms separating me from my family, because you don't have your pet's family, you have your pet. This is why she can never love me back, because you don't love your pet the same way your pet loves you. He has been compelled to love her this whole time. It hasn't necessarily been willing. It's been literal magic. He's been under a spell. Yes. And she's been lying about it by omission for years. Mm -hmm. I would argue that it's not actually love. That putting the label of love on it is now incorrect. Oh, it's definitely incorrect now. Because in order for their, for love to be genuine, it needs to be a choice. And he has never had a choice. Nick has never had a choice. And which we'll get into in a moment. So it's it's a it's a weird false love. And it makes sense now that this is why he was falling out of love with her, because he's reached a certain maturity point in his life where he's recognizing it. Where he's recognizing there's something off about the relationship. That there's something off yeah. about the relationship, exactly. And now that all this truth is coming to light, we'll talk about Drazenoth's spin in a second, but all this truth is coming to light, and he's starting to see that, no, this isn't love. It this never is, has been, yeah. This is some sort of weird magical infatuation. This is compulsion. Yeah. Yes. Drazenoth is like, see, isn't knowing the truth better? Aren't we all feeling liberated right now? Mm. It's a wonderful feeling. And now, Nick, armed with this knowledge, you have a decision what you can do next. You now know what's going on, which means for the first time in your life, you get to choose, my man. Nick is upset. <laughs> this, what I wrote in my notes was, this does not sit well with Nick. Yeah. There's still a part of Nick, despite this, which is like, no, this can't possibly be true. Like, he knows. The, the front of his brain is telling him, this all makes sense. But there's a little part in the back of him which is like, no, this is, this is a creature made of lies. Nothing that comes out of his mouth can possibly be true. And he looks to Johnny for basically a lifeline at this moment. Yeah, something. And she can't give it to him. She does not deny this. No, she, no denial, no emotion. No remorse. No remorse, nothing. Yeah. She can give, she gives him a half sentence of, I can explain, which yeah. means that Drazanoth isn't wrong. No. But it makes me believe that he's putting some spin on it to get a rise out of Nick, which is clearly working. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, nothing. No, I'm sorry. No, it's not what you think. 
I mean, the best she gives to it's not what you think is it's not as black and white as that. Yes. She does try to reason with him because she she can see the wheels coming off the train here. Yeah. She's not stupid. Well, no, all of this is an awful lot for Nick to take in because he is far more of a regular human being with like reason and compassion and all these other things that Johnny doesn't seem to possess. And his emotions take over. Yeah. So Johnny says, like, look, this is bigger than the two of us. Whatever's going on right now, whatever the truth of this matter is, it's bigger than that. This is about the whole world. Drazenoth is a monster, and he's urging you to go. You cannot do what he wants. Don't fall into this trap. This is what he wants you to do. It isn't as black and white as he's making it out to seem. And, and I mean, look, look at all the good we've done together. The reason why I've helped the world is because you've been there to show me that the world is worth helping. Problem is, she doesn't actually say any of that. You are the team heart, and you've been my conscience this whole time, keeping me on the straight and narrow. She does basically lay this out. She doesn't Eh. use these exact words. It doesn't come out nearly as eloquently as what you've just said. Nick counters with, you made me into your slave. And, I mean, she's aghast at the suggestion that that is the case, but he's like, no, 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 no. I am descended from slaves. I know what slavery is. When the British Empire took us over here, they did not call us slaves, but we were slaves. What you are calling me is not your slave, but I am your slave. If I've never had a choice, I've been your slave. It's true. You took away my autonomy and my ability to choose when we were children. And my ancestors may have never had the option to walk away, but today I do. And she's like, you can't do that. Hey. And he's like, uh, excuse me? He doesn't even let her finish the sentence. Yeah. So she she turns to pleading and she's like, look, it's it's been hard for me. That's why I needed you with me. Do you know what it's like to be so special that the world says you can do anything? And he's like, do you know what it's like to live in my shoes and be living in a world where everyone tells you you can do nothing? And that is the crux of their relationship issue. Yes. And I... I was really looking forward to this fight because finally Nick has had enough and he's just laying into Johnny and I was so disappointed in her because she doesn't fight back. Because she knows she's wrong. I know, but she doesn't even try. It Here's... she it fizzles out. She lets it fizzle out and there is but, no resolution there. But That's been Johnny's play every time they fought. It sure has. Every time they fought in this book, Johnny has let it fizzle out because she doesn't want to deal with it. Her play is, I will back off, admit that I'm in the wrong, Nick will forgive me because he always does, and on we'll go with our adventure. And that's exactly the play she's doing here. Yep, it is. And I was disappointed because I really want these two to finally have it out and either break it off entirely or make up and be proper friends. Oh, Nick is getting to that point, don't you worry. Because he pieces together right now that this is the reason why Ben the Science Octopus is dead. This is the reason his family nearly died. It's because he is untouchable. Yeah. All the monster attacks that they've survived this far, they've only survived because the monsters weren't trying. They were being harried. They weren't being attacked. Right. Because he was talking about, they're surprisingly squishy. Oh, I'm able to fend them all off with a shovel. Like, maybe I'm some untouchable badass. No, you're just untouchable. And they haven't been trying. <laughs> well, they've kind of been trying. I mean, they've been trying to maybe 
injure them, maim them, slow them wound down. them, yeah. slow them down, but not kill them. No, nope. can't kill them. It's against rules. So Nick tells off Johnny in the firmest possible way and lays out that he is okay if the world ends today, so long as she is in that world. You gotta be real super mad to well, let the world end out of spite. You did say that he lets his emotions take over. And oh, he does. Nick is a being of wisdom, whereas Johnny is a being of intelligence. And he is not making the rational choice, he is making the emotional choice. Yes. And in this moment, he would rather be with his family as the world ends and be smug in the satisfaction that Johnny failed. Yep. So he turns his back and heads for the Land Rover and Drazenoth and Johnny do not follow. Nope. They just sort of watch him walk away. And that is the end of chapter 25. Yeah. I am super curious how the next chapter is going to start. Super curious. I mean, my instinct is that Nick's going to start driving away feel terrible about what he did, realize that Johnny is right, that the world is a bigger place than just their relationship. And go back. And go back. That's my guess, too, is that he's going to come back. Because, again, that's how it that's how their relationship dynamic keeps working in this book. He gets angry at her. He tells her off. She backs down. He storms off for a little bit, and then he comes back, and they're back on the same page. Yeah, except it's been getting... It's been getting bigger and bigger every time. Well, and now he understands the truth of the matter, too. As a, as a resident of this, this world in this fixed, fictitious story, I do hope he goes back to save the world. I think these two should break up. Oh, yeah. They, like, they like are, friends off, break up. Be done. You they two are, are unhealthy. They are in a very toxic relationship that has been entirely one-sided. Yes. And uh, that, that should end, yes. Now, the question is, will that be enough? Because Drazenoth, let's let's put ourselves in Drazenoth's headspace for a moment. If I was trying to stop Johnny and Nick from saving the world in this moment, and I knew that there was a very limited amount of time left before the door is thrown open, what better way to cause a hitch in that than to drive one of them off at a crucial moment? Right. Even just for a few minutes. Well, if a few minutes is all you need. Drazenoth knows the nature of the the tie between them. He knows that Nick is bound to her. He knows that Nick is compelled to be her friend. And that means, in all likelihood, that he knows that Nick is going to get, like, two miles down the road, stop the car, groan to himself... Realize he needs to be with his friend because he's magically compelled to be with her, turn around and come back. So my thinking is that knowing all that and knowing that's how this magic works, he knows he can only get rid of Nick for a short time. And he's counting on it just being enough time. Yeah, just keep them apart just long enough. And I think that might be the play here. I think you're right. I agree with you. So my thinking is that Nick's going to get back, but it's going to be too late. Mm -hmm. Hard to say. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I mean, say what you will about the nature of their relationship and how Nick is magically compelled to be with her. He also did make the decision to kill her a few chapters ago and very nearly acted but on But again, it. that was a weird non-Nick compulsion as well. It's true. 
Right? Nick has had very little choice in any matter in this novel, I, apparently. I would like this book to end with all of these magic things leaving Nick alone and just letting him be himself for a little while. The problem is it might be in a post-apocalyptic landscape. Maybe. He might not know what that feels like. Well, if Johnny dies, in theory, her covenant dies with her. One would assume. And Nick is no longer under her protection. And therefore, yes, he would then be free. Nick would be free at long last because he's no longer being magically compelled by anything. Mm-hmm. That is my theory. So, and again, this is book one in a trilogy, but I don't know who the main characters of the next books are. That's true. So, could not say if uh, if if either of our protagonists make it out of this one alive. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Perhaps we'll find out as we move into chapter twenty-six. Indeed. Of our novel, uh, you'll want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, uh, we just mentioned. Yeg Podfest at the top of this episode, yes. which is coming up. Um, that's brought to you partly by the Edmonton Community Foundation, longtime supporter of the Alberta Podcast Network. And here is a little ad about them. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of the Well Endowed Podcast. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. Or at least about their podcast, The Well Endowed Podcast. <laughs> um, you can check that out right now at our website, along with uh, more information on some of our other sponsors. And of course, a full listing of all the member podcasts. You can find that at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Once you find podcasts you like, download them on your podcatcher of choice. Hey, that's probably where you're getting our podcast. Oh, that seems likely. You should give us a little rating and a review because that definitely helps us out. You sure should. Uh, you can also reach out to us on social media. Yes, the list goes like this. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those. Pretty easy to find. You can also reach us on email. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. For real, not magically compelled. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. For uh, something big's going to happen, I just don't know what. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 